Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So today is volume seven, and this response to these sort of episodes has been absolutely bananas. Like some of the comments we get in, and we may even switch it up a little bit. We may just try and do more of more of them. And we've had the amazing news that Jane has joined the coaching team as well. So Jane's going to be popping in intermittently as well. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. And today's episode, like you guys send in the questions. I do the Q&As a couple times a week and you guys send in the questions and it's kind of the ones that we feel probably benefit the most and kind of questions coming in from clients. So keep continue asking client questions. If you're not sure of something and you want to learn, there's not just thing as a stupid question. The only thing is stupid is not asking a proper question. Um, so Dallas, how are we, sir? Oh, doing absolutely wonderful. Happy Paddy's Day to everybody. Um, if you're like me and love shamrock shakes, Can't wait to get some. It's been like what, probably three years since I've had one, probably, and I'm like kind of getting giddy for it. So I'm like, gonna go. For I have one. one. I might, I might, I might go to the drive through McDonald's and get one. But this is the problem. You have to drive through. So I was telling uh, Nevia that like we could go in, pretend to be cars and everything. And I'll just bring some. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that. To create a create a car out of the lads. <laughs> oh, I'd love to do the noise. Yeah. Hi. Any fries? <laughs> Any fries with that, with that shake? Okay. We better come on there. And then the caffeine's starting to hit me. Um, so I think the episode that we're going to be, there's a few topics that we're going to be talking about. I know Dallas is keen to talk about one because I think it's coming up a few times and I know a lot of people are struggling. So there's a few of the topics that are definitely going to help. So the main one that we're going to be talking about is kind of what is spotting, how to manage it and what are the signs of it. Kind of the main one for Dallas is kind of falling back into past behaviors. Then banking calories, yes or no, is a good idea. Uh, I think people know what our answer is going to be for the drinking game. Get your drinks ready. Uh, we also talk about kind of the best way for kind of girls to measure their progress by um, scales. And I think that's going to be hugely beneficial. And hopefully it will change a few things for, for a lot of women who are listening to this. And then one of the main things that kind of comes in an awful lot, particularly what's happening now, I think a lot of people are realizing they may not have the, the support network around them. And I think this is hugely important that you ha- like, what can you do to put in place for yourself by not having the support from others? So I think the the first topic we're going to talk about is kind of like spotting and what exactly what, what it is and uh, what are the signs and how to manage it. So the, the main thing with spotting is like, if you're a woman in your reproductive years, you typically bleed every month. If you're on the pill, it will be a withdrawal bleed. It won't be a proper bleed because no ovulation is actually occurring. So you need to be aware of that. So sometimes you might notice kind of spots of kind of bleeding when you're not on your period. Most of the time, this spotting is nothing to really, really worry about. It can last two days. If it's kind of the two days, it's happening the two days at the beginning of your cycle, it's just the last cycle kind of disappearing, the last little elements of it. And if it's happening the odd day after it, that's okay as well. It can be triggered by a variety of different factors from pregnancy to switch in birth control uh, and a few other things. But it's always a good idea to have your doctor check out and uh, any unexpected vaginal bleeding, especially if you're not sure of the cause. Some of the symptoms that kind of come into it are during your period, the flow of blood will be, usually be heavy enough that you'll have to wear a sanitary pad or tampon to avoid staining your underwear or your clothes. And spotting is much lighter than a normal period. And more, a normal period, it can be heavier uh, and spotting is a lot, lot lighter. Usually it won't produce enough blood to soak through a panty liner. The color may be lighter than a period also. So another way to tell if you're spotting or starting your period is by looking at your symptoms just before and during your period. You may have bloating, 
breast tenderness, cramps, fatigue, mood swings, nausea. But if you're spotting that's due to another condition, you may also have some of the other symptoms uh, that may occur at other times of the month or during the month or at the same time, you may experience it during um, spotting, which is heavier, longer flows, mm. uh, itching and redness in the vagina, missed or, or irregular periods, nausea, pain or, or burning during urination or sex, pain in your abdomen or pelvis, uh, unusual discharge or odor from the vagina as well. Uh, some of the causes that kind of happen are, this is where kind of like there's a lot of them. So I have to kind of try and be conscious of not just running through them. You get your period when your uterine lining sheds at the beginning of your monthly cycle. So spotting on the other hand can be caused by one of these factors, ovulation. So that's the main one. So during ovulation, which happens in the middle of your cycle, an egg is released from your fallopian tubes. But some women notice a light spotting happens when they may ovulate. So just be kind of monitor it if it's happening at a particular time in the month using the tracking methods that we spoke about in the previous episode could be very, very beneficial. Pregnancy is one other one. About 20% of women have spotting during the first three months of their pregnancy. Often the blood appears in the first few days of pregnancy when the fertilized egg attaches to the uterine lining. Many women mistake this implantation bleeding for a period because it happens so early that they don't realize they're pregnant. So it's hugely important to if you, if something is if you haven't had a cycle or there's kind of like that element of it, go to the doctor and get a proper test. Sometimes those the pregnancy tests that you get at home may not be the most accurate reading because there may be missing elements to it. So 100% just go to the doctor. And I know it's it's a weird situation to go to the doctor, but if it means that you're pregnant or it could be it may be an accident or whatever it may be, please just go to the doctor. PCOS is another element of it as well. And that could be another cause. Irregular bleeding is a symptom of PCOS. And over 10% or brain 10% of women have PCOS. It's a condition which your ovaries produce extra male hormones, testosterone. Uh, PCOS is common in young women and it leads to the control of, the, sorry, the, the growth of small fluid sacs uh, in your ovaries. Birth control can have a, an impact as well. And I don't want to be a knocker of birth control because there are cases where it can be beneficial to to women as well birth control pills can cause spotting especially when you first started using them or you switched them to a new one because it's just getting your body a, kind of a used to those hormones again and the, the artificial estrogen or progestin not progesterone uh, coming into the body continuous birth control pills are more likely to cause breakthrough bleeding than say a 21 or 28 day pills spotting is also common in women who have uh, an iud which is interesting as well. Uterine fibroids. Uh, so fibroids are small, non-cancerous lumps that can form on the outside or inside of the uterus. They can cause abnormal vaginal bleeding, including spotting in between periods. There could be a, an infection. It could be a UTI. It could be an STI or an STD. It could be a PID. It could be a few things. There's cervical polyops as well. could be a thing as well, which is a growth formed on the cervix. Uh, there could be menopause. It could be the transition to menopause. It can take several years, which is called perimenopause. Uh, during this time, your periods will likely be more unpredictable than usual. And this is due to fluctuating hormone levels. The bleeding should taper off once you're in full menopause. Then rough sex, rough sex can be also an element of it as well. So if you have been assaulted or anything like that, please go and talk to the, the, the powers that be and hope you are okay if that's the case uh you're more likely to notice spotting in between periods if you are pregnant recently switched birth controls start to get your period have an ied have an infection have pid pcos or uterine fibroids although spotting is not usually a sign of something serious it isn't normal 
So anytime you notice bleeding outside of your period, you should mention it to your, your doctor or your OBGYN. It's especially important to call your doctor if you're pregnant and notice spotting. Spotting could be a sign of serious complication, such as an ectopic pregnancy or miscarriage. The treatment for spotting could be an antibiotic or an antifungal drug to treat the infection if there is an infection, birth control or other hormones to regulate your cycle. But I think you know where we stand and kind of like birth control to regulate cycle because it's not a real cycle uh, a procedure to remove polyaps or other growths in your uterus or cervix so i think that the the outlook really really it depends there's the first drink for you is if you're playing along with the drinking game today uh spotting especially on patty's day uh spotting during pregnancy and from a birth control switch will usually stop after a few weeks or months so it's just your body getting used to the artificial uh stuff coming into your body Spotting that's due to an infection, polyops, fibroids, or PCOS should go away once the condition is under control with the treatment. So the main kind of takeaway from the whole thing is it's nothing serious. It can be inconvenient, mm. especially when you're not prepared. But I think once you figure out what the cause is, then you can put into place a procedure to help keep a diary of what's going on, the changes in your body. And once you keep a diary or you have it on your period app, you can kind of say when the actual bleeding is occurring. That's why it's so, so important to track your cycle with the likes of Kandara or Clue or an old-fashioned pen and paper can help if you're struggling or if you are unsure of anything. I think it's really, really important to kind of make sure that you are going to the doctor. It could be normal to have like two days at the beginning of your cycle, but just to make sure the doctor is always the, is always just to make sure to be sure. That's very Irish. To be sure, to be sure. <laughs> Perfect day for it. Exactly. Uh, so hopefully that's like, there's an awful lot there. So I just, there's an awful lot of things that it could be and it, it, everyone's going to be different. So yeah. is there anything you want to add on that? Or are you okay? No, I think it's, uh, from my experience in uh, aspects, usually I see it's usually a UTI. That's predominantly the, the most yeah. Um, for the most causal aspect of it. Now, obviously, as you went through, there's quite a bit to it, but it's it's the aspect of don't be afraid to get things checked. It's a lot of people like to kind of just, ah, it's just a little bit of blood, you know, I see blood, it's okay, and kind of let it be. It's, you know, if it is occurring quite often, it's something definitely you should yeah. go and get checked. Uh, yeah, especially if you think you may be pregnant or there's something else about PCOS, like you, you and like, I think my my experience of it is as well is that it's normally uh, some sort of like UTI or or something like that or like it could be happening from stress and you've just been under a massive amount of stress and something mm. having a knockdown effect onto it. But I think uh, to make sure that you're all safe and stuff, I think it's uh, it's important. And I know that the next topic, Dallas, you <laughs> want to talk about, which. I think you need to pull up a chair for whoever's about to listen to this. Uh, you could be going on a long walk if you're trying to get through this because I know Dallas wants to uh, go through this. But I think it's falling back into to past behaviours when things don't necessarily go right or things can get a little bit, go a little bit off track. And I think this is a huge element that a lot of people are struggling with right now. So hopefully the information in this will definitely help a lot of people. So take it away. So... We're going to make it as easy um, and digestible as possible. Some of the behaviors that we often go through are stemming from early aspects in life. And what I mean early aspects in life, like um, we've briefly touched on previous Coach's Corners, how attachment occurs within um, children and mothers. So between the mother and the infant and the father and infant. Some of these ways of attachment are 
causal relationships of aspects that occur later in life, how you attach to a loved one, how you attach to friends, whether you run away from certain situations can come down to some of these aspects in childhood as well as infancy. Once we start getting out of that kind of infancy aspect and start getting to, you know, young childhood before adolescence and everything, some of the behaviors that we employ are there to help us, how do we say, cope with the surroundings and what is occurring, right? So if you want to look at it from aspects that if you had an abusive father or mother or whatever that may be, you would have employed certain behaviors that would have allowed you to get out of the way from when they were coming home. So that means that you would rush eating your food, you would shove it all down, go do something else and keep yourself busy. That behavior can manifest itself later on in life. So we're trying to understand that some of the behaviors that occur from day to day are thanks to some of these behaviors that you used when you were a kid, when you were in adolescence, that you used to cope and deal with life. It worked then, it's not working now. And it's the biggest point is that is that we often neglect those behaviors or neglect to actually recognize those behaviors occurring. So we're like, we don't want to look at times of stress. We fall into these behaviors because it's an automatic behavior. We've been doing it for so many years that when stress occurs or when trauma occurs, we just automatically go to that position and do these things, whether it be eating food, whether it be going to alcohol, whether it be going to drugs or pushing people away and isolating ourselves. We fall into these behaviors thanks to our past behavior. And the way to start coming through this is actually recognizing these aspects of behavior. What is actually happening in your life? Where did it stem from? But because it's uncomfortable, because it gives you a bit of anxiety, because it gives you this weird urge inside to think about where some of these things occur, people don't often deal with it. So we see ourselves repeating the behaviors over and over and over. Every time we go to lose weight, we go through these behaviors. Every time we try to make a change in our life, we go through some of these repeated behaviors. And it's got to be as a coach, but also as like, as I like to say, a confident within people when like you and I work with people, when you see the repeated behaviors occurring week in, week out, you kind of just mourn for the person going like, why are you repeating the past when you have the ability to change? It's you're stuck in a cycle that repeats and repeats and repeats. The environment around you starts to change, but you as a person are giving yourself these micro traumas all the time. You are putting yourself in a position that doesn't grow, but ends up hindering you. And it's all thanks to this repeated behavior from childhood, from adolescence, from infancy. And it, it's scary when you look at it and think that, no matter how amazing your parents were or how maybe unamazing they were, you can't get through childhood or teens unscathed. And these aspects that occurs is going to now influence your behaviors, not only how you eat, how you form relationships, but how you actually connect with other people and also how you see yourself. So some of the aspects that you did were because you wanted to feel more secure in yourself. But now as an adult, that is no longer a case. You have free reign to do what you want in a sense. Don't take that as a, you can go out and go do the purge, please, because that is ridiculous. But it is trying to look at aspects and go like, 
we need to have better ways of coping with life, but we also need to look at ourselves and go like, where are some of these things stemming from and how do we actually break that mold? And a lot of that is recognizing what's occurring. You know? Yeah. No, yeah, no like I, I'm, I'm listening because I think when you do get tired, you get stressed or you're you're talking to someone or else you're 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 having a chat with someone and things can get a little bit heated and you can kind of get you fall back into your lowest form of training you kind of resort resort back to kind of like almost childish like instincts in that you kind of almost throw the toys out of the pram a little bit and i think it's like it's it like we're not sitting here on our ivory towers we do that too like when we're tired i know myself when i'm tired and mentally fatigued i just get mentally drained and i just become a recluse and that's the way i cope with it it's is it amazing probably not but it's the way i do it and i just know that i need my routine is right i'm just going to go and try to go to bed and try to make sure i get up the next morning and try to be the best version i can the next morning keeping my routine are there any kind of quick action steps that you kind of try to implement with clients or yourself or with people around you that can help someone trying to spot one their behavior and two to kind of work around it or work with it should i say biggest aspect you can do is recognize what is occurring and that's that goes with pretty much anything it's like if you can sit there and recognize a behavior that's occurring that you're not really happy with or that you can pinpoint what just occurred you can then make the change and it's the aspect of like when you want to grow as a person when you want to make say a financial goal or you want to learn something you have a goal of i need to do x y and z and that's how it works it's the same thing when it comes to some of these behaviors you first need to pinpoint what is occurring so it's like if you're doing a certain behavior say that every saturday you end up having a fight with your partner and then it leads you to going and getting alcohol and then having food as well, you know that the trigger is your partner. So that means that situation of the hard conversation you have, that means either your form of communication is not there, an inability to understand each other, or that in the aspect of you're happen to be extremely tired from the week. So when you're in a position when to have a conversation with your partner next minute, it's going to trigger things. So you first need to see that position before you make a change. And then once you know that part, now you can start looking and going, is it down to stress? Is it down to not getting enough sleep? Have I actually done all the other things I need to? And then from that's how you break that pattern. So that means that when you go to, for instance, in that aspect, have a conversation with your partner, where's the point where you take a deep breath? Where's the point where you picture not only the good, but the bad that could happen from the conversation and go like, well, I'm going to be present instead of trying to actually predict what's going to occur or predict what they're going to say. And we see that a lot of time. We go into conversations when someone's like, hey, I'm going to have a conversation with you. And you're like, what are they going to say? What are the bad things? What have I done wrong? Let me quickly play off the last 10 weeks of conversation of how with the person? Did I make a mistake? You know, are they going to complain about something about me? Instead of going in and going like, what is actually going to occur here? What do you want to talk about? Let's be present in that moment. And that's one big aspect. It's that breathing and being present in the moment allows you to change that aspect. But then once you also know that, you can start bringing in other habits to change these things. So that means that in this case where if the communication style was a problem, how can we communicate better? 
if it was based on stress, how could we lower stress that when we get to spend time with a partner, we're not always triggered by small little things. We can look at it from a point of maybe we just need some time alone and we need to communicate that across to our loved ones. So it's like once you know where that behavior is occurring or what's occurring around that behavior, then you can start making the changes. But most people want to do is I'm going to change everything. It's the partner. That's the problem. It's this, it's this, it's that. It's like first identify what's happening and then start looking at it from a whole perspective of zoom out. So take a step back and look at it for what it is. For a lot of us, it's usually coming down to stress where some of the most of the biggest issues occur when it comes to repeated behavior is thanks to stress. It's funny that you mentioned about kind of like when you start like talking to whoever's around you or whatever, like, and you kind of get take with what they do. And it's normally something that we do that they're doing that's irritating us. It's normally our own thing. So say if someone's like chewing with their mouth open or clicking a pen all the time or not being able to sit still, it's normally something that we do ourselves that is being reflected back on us and it's annoying ourselves. And that's the interesting thing. I don't think a lot of people realize that, that it's, 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 it's actually something that we do ourselves. Um, I think with relation to kind of like with the weight loss journeys and stuff and fitness journeys, I think it's a huge aspect of and i think it's important to say to yourself and not blame yourself and and guilt yourself when it kind of comes into this aspect of um kind of falling back into these past behaviors it takes a while to build a habit it takes a while to build a behavior and it's not going to be a straight line it's nothing is going to be a straight line life is like a heart rate monitor it's going to go up and down up and down you need to like it's a huge element of what we spoke about in the last coach's corner which was the self-compassion side of things being sound to yourself, talking to your inner critic, acknowledging its fears kind of coming out of you as well and yeah. where those fears are coming from. Why are those fears coming out now? Assure that things are different now. You are different. You're trying to change. You're trying to better yourself. You could also bring in elements of kind of like um, journaling. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, journaling's going to turn into the Buddha. You're not going to turn into the Buddha. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely will not turn into the Buddha. Um don't like don't wait until to start tomorrow because that hasn't worked for anyone you need to implement the changes that you've tried to implement today or your next meal rather than trying to push on the long finger waiting until tomorrow or diet starts monday mentality has never worked for anyone it's not all of a sudden it's going to be no um spending 10 minutes to focus on you is huge focusing 10 minutes on yourself that could be just like right on 10 10 minutes of no phone and that could be a, a massive thing yeah, um, like the biggest there's one sentence I know I said it to you before I went we went on air it was like you can't change your life until you change your mentality yeah. if you want something new and different in your life you have to change whatever has been blocking you from happening if that's something that's around you if that's something that you're doing is that it's always going to be a work in progress there's days where like Dallas doesn't want to train there's Dallas there's days I can't train right now and it's driving me fucking up the wall uh it, you have to look at your old way of thinking and saying, right, have I improved from that old way? Have I shown up 75% of the time from the previous ways of thinking? And say, right, I may slip, slap, slip back into these old moments, but I think it's, it's understanding that you've gone through significant change, significant growth. You're getting more protein in. You're getting more walks in. Five out of the seven days, you're getting more water in with each meal. You've got to keep moving forward because 
if you keep trying to reset and reset and reset and reset, it's very, very tiring having to reset every Monday. It's very, very tiring having to do that all the way. You also potentially could have forgotten your why, whatever it is. And that's a huge aspect for a lot of people is I think that there's kind of COVID fatigue at the minute. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's happening. We don't know when we're getting out of this. Like there's people booking holidays in advance and you're kind of like, why you're setting yourself up for fall there. You don't know what's happening. Um, but we have to understand what is your why? Why do you want to change? Is it something for, is it, it has to be internal. So many people are like, oh, I want to look good, which is amazing. And I'm not knocking that, but what do you need to do internally to address what's going to go on externally? Are you going to get out of bed in the morning to go for your walk? Are you going to play with your kids? Are you going to drink more water? Are you going to have more protein? Are you going to, why do you want to change? And just saying you want to change or want to say that you want to lose weight isn't a good enough goal. You have to understand, deeply understand. Nothing is going to be perfect in whatever you do. Looking at, look, keeping a log, keep, that's what journaling is so helpful. You can look at what trends are happening. Have you been hung over? Are you, are you hung over after Paddy's Day? List, or not, yeah, well, Paddy's Day is now, but like, have you had a night out to, when you're listening to this and you're feeling sorry for yourself in the cage right now? There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're beating yourself up time, every time that happens, would, some, would you not want to change something? That could be the difference between you changing who you want to become and changing you from, again, the results you're looking for. You're stopping yourself, but it's also realizing and not getting angry or blaming yourself. But look who you want to become, act like the person you want to become, and then make the subtle changes. Oh, yeah. I think it's also another aspect, like, like you, t- you tipped on there, that like, oh, look at all that's changed. Protein, I better, I'm moving. But it's also... When are we going to start tracking our mindset changes? When are we yeah. going to start tracking the shifts in attention and understanding and their perceptions of the world? We're, we're all too busy like, oh, let's track my weight. But I'm like, your view of the world from one year ago to five years ago is vastly different from what it is now. And that comes with its own perils and that comes with its own pros. That. How you could have seen the world five years ago could have been all happy dandy. You could have been that optimist. You could have been that person. Now you're more of a pessimist. So it's like, what has changed? So it's like, okay, there was trauma in around the the time we had a pandemic. So these things have changed. It's like, okay. So it's like now based in your current position, your ability, what can we do to get the best out of that? So that means identifying those behaviors, identifying the way you see the world so that way you can make goals that are actually orientated to making you better. And that's a big thing. It's trying to track progress and mindset. It's like, ah, it's too flimsy. You know, it's, I've got a great outlook on life. But it's just like you and I both can say that on a stressful day, your outlook has changed from a day when we highly caffeinated and there's a lot of sun completely different people yeah like I, I the perfect example is monday i was very very tired i was started working early because monday and tuesday was on my check-in days um and i was on a dallas late in the evening and i normally turn off my phone on at like seven o'clock or half seven on a on on the weekdays and i was talking to a client and it was kind of like kind of struggling to get the information out of the client and I was trying to figure out asking where better asking better questions and all this kind of stuff and Dallas trying to help and I was I was not in the position to listen to the help that was being provided and I just didn't want to listen to it. So I snapped and I 
I, I apologized. But I knew that then I was like, right, I'm tired. I'm going to go and eat. And then as soon as I, I was like, right, that's all I need. I just needed a bit of like my blood sugars had dropped. And I think a lot of people have realized that as well. Like eating regular meals will help to kind of curb the bear or the hunger. Um, and one thing, a lot of people make things a lot more difficult for themselves than they possibly are. I remember talking to a client and mm-hmm. if she's listening to this, she'll know, she'll, she'll be like, this is what I sent to Shane. Um, she's like, I don't really want to go for a walk today. I'm like, well, why don't you just count to three and like one, two, three and jump up. And she goes, or if you, and I also said like, if you want to go for the walk, great. If you don't want to go for the walk, that there's no problem. She goes, you make it sound so simple. I'm like, you're making it very difficult. Yeah. for yourself you either want to go for the walk or you don't want to go for the walk like there's no problem like i'm not going to tell you otherwise and i think you were talking about before off, off air hmm. like one of your clients was like uh, i haven't done my three sessions a week or whatever it was um and i were like yeah but you got two in so for how many did you do last week zero so you got two in this week well i focus on the positive and say right i've got three walks in on top of this i've had a proper night's sleep focus on the like if you're you can't always always get things 100%. I can't, like, perfection doesn't exist. But if you can give yourselves little wins each day and track those, that's what the power of the journaling is. That's what the power of the, like, the little, um, you brought in the, the comments on the on the sheet saying, what are your three biggest wins this week or your non-scale victories this week onto the sheet for the check-ins. And I think a lot of people are realizing, and I can definitely see a mindset shift in, in a lot of the people very early on in that they're realizing, oh, hang on. I've gone for four walks. I've, I've put the phone away or something like that. And it's been huge mentally for, for other people. Um, I think one of the things are, where a lot of people can struggle with is kind of like the weekends. No. Yeah. <laughs> I think like if you, I, I can't remember the exact numbers. I really shouldn't know the exact numbers. Uh, but if you're kind of like Saturday and Sunday, like it, that's what 30 odd percent of you include Friday. It's like 40 odd percent of the week mm. or a little bit more. That's a huge chunk of your week. What are your thoughts on the element of kind of banking calories for the weekend? Because this is a big topic. And I think I know the answer. Everybody get ready to take shots. Um, it depends. However, let's start off with something simple. If you're a person who works with consistency and actually can, and I'm like, take a regiment and go, right, I am going to do this X, Y, and Z and has no issues following something like so precise, banking calories for the weekend is a wonderful thing for them. That comes down to a certain subset of people that actually have the ability to go, right, I enjoyed food on the weekend. I had the calories. It is not a problem. The scale weight on Sunday is not going to change. I'm going to see a bit of water retention. My measurements might change and have no problem and keep going because they know in the long run, they're going to get to where they want to get. Not many people are like that. No, I think what a lot of people try to do is, right, I have had 1,200 calories Monday to Thursday, and then I'm going to save all my calories, all my calories for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then overspend. It's like when you win the lotto, you don't really know what's happening, and then you overspend your money, and then you end up bankrupt. Everybody gets money. Exactly. Oprah. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody gets a car. I get a car. You get a car. Yeah. It's the exact same way. I personally don't really like the ideology of banking calories because I think if you're, if you're, if you're, especially if you're starting out on your journey, if you have, as you said, like if you have a little bit more experience in what you're trying to do, amazing, you know how to control things. But if you're starting off on your journey and trying to get the processes of like having your regular meals, getting your training and getting your steps in the basics, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage you to do it because what you're going to try and do is you're going to starve yourself and tell yourself that you're good 
Monday to Thursday, and then you're going to build this up that I, be- I behave, the, the, the halo will appear, and you'll be like, right, I deserve to have this weekend. I deserve to have this blowout. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, things just go a little bit AWOL, and then Monday you're beating yourself up, and then it's like diet starts Monday mentality happens again. Mm-hmm. You're better off saying to yourself, right, I'd rather be consistent and then press reset afterwards. So if you're, I'm picking a number out of my head with calories and these aren't tailors to anyone. These are numbers in my head. I have to keep saying that. If you're aiming for, say, for easy maths, I'm going to go for 2,000 calories a day. If you're aiming on average for a week, that's seven days in a week. That's 14,000 calories a week. If you are aiming for, say, um, 13, 1,400, uh, that's too low. That's saving up so many calories. Um, for the weekend, it's not going to end very well. But if you can get consistently around the 17, 1800 mark, you mm. still have a little bit of a loophole of about 800,000 calories for the weekend, yep. which is still a lot of food on top of what you're meant to be eating already. So that could be the difference of like 1700 calories plus the 1000 calories. That's 2700 calories on a Saturday. And that could be your dominoes. That oh, could be your takeaway. That could be your drinks. And that's probably the way to do it. But if you're saying, right, I'm going to deplete all my calories Monday to Thursday and then feast or famine mode, that's not going to end very well. I Hopefully that maths makes sense. I know there's going to be someone who's good at maths. I'm going to call me out on that. Well, like, it's from that same aspect. What people don't realize is, right, say for a, a woman that's enjoying, say, 1,600 calories and now she wants to save 200 calories per day, right? That means 1,400 if they've just got used to 1,600 and dropping to 1,004, that's a ridiculous big reduction in food volume. So wait, are you able to actually cope from Monday to Friday with reduced calories, even though it's been like you haven't had it before, and then actual cravings, hunger goes up, and you get a little bit groggy. And I went, so now you're more likely to come Friday that, well, I've saved all these calories. Let me just use it on Friday. And then you see ridiculous eating on Friday because I was not ready or I didn't know what it would actually entail by dropping 200 calories. It's this knock-on effect that for some people, yeah, it could work, but trying to make everybody do it because it allows me to eat some crazy ass things on the weekend often derails them quite often. I just don't understand the psychology of the weekend. I like I, I, I used to do it like say thir- Thursday was my weekend when I had a real job. Thursday, <laughs> Thursday to Sunday was my weekend. And then I'd be like, all right, I'm behaving myself Monday, which Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm like, why am I getting no progress? Um, and that's what happens to a lot, a lot of people. And like what tends to be coming in now on kind of applications and stuff is weekends, just no structure. And, I, yeah. and I'm not saying you have to be regimented structure with your weekends 100%. Like it's all, it's like enjoy it. And I'm encouraging clients to have like date nights and family nights. I think that's hugely important with what's happening. But if you're, if you're eating regularly, it's going to, it's going to potentially reduce the, kind of like the urge to kind of have an awful lot of food in the evenings. And yep. if you're having an awful lot of food in the evenings, there's no problem with that. But as long as you're not beating yourself up about it, I'm not saying I failed here. So I'm going to starve myself the next day. That's not what we do. That's not what we encourage. If you've had 3000 calories on a Saturday or, and, and if you're willing to, and you're, you're in the headspace to press reset, 
amazing. But if you're going every Saturday, every Friday, 3,000 calories each day and you're not in the headspace to reset and you're beating yourself up about it, banking calories ain't the tool for you. Yep, amen to that. I think there's also another aspect of coping, which you and I have both seen when it comes to the weekend. It's that, okay, you know, I don't have any work. I can relax now and de-stress. Oh, food's going to help me de-stress. So let's get that fatty food. Let's get that carbs in me and use that as my uh, de-stressor. And it brings me happiness and all those other emotions that we so love to attach to food, but we're actually actually not. We're just using it to fill the void. And it, 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 that's the biggest problem when it comes to some people. It's, hey, look, I've had a tough week. You know that takeaway because I don't want to do any cooking tonight. Yeah, that takeaway is going to make my life easier. Cool. Totally agree. Amazing. But then it comes to, yeah, but it's going to make my life better. It's, it's going to help me de-stress. It's, so what's the food doing for you de-stressing? Like, have you not been de-stressing during the week? So you're using a mechanism once again to try and de-stress, which, as we've seen, can be quite damaging for a lot of people if you keep in this behavior and keep repeating the behavior over time. And it's, it's trying to bring the aspect away from that going, right, if you're in this cycle, it needs to be broken. If you're seeing this happening and you're doing this week in, week out, and then you're beating yourself up on Monday, you clearly know what the problem here is. Yeah, I think I think it, some people won't like what you've just said in no. relation to the coping mechanisms because... Monday to Thursday is such full. It's like full of a full of Monday to Friday is full of adrenaline. You're all you're go 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 go, and you haven't had a chance for you. And the only chance for you is kind of like the family night. And you're kind of like, well, amazing. Have the family night. Have the date night. Whatever it may be. Uh, but you got to ask yourself, right? And I'm all for like if you're having a takeaway for takeaway purposes, amazing. But is this a reward system? Is this a coping system? Is this Oh, because I've had an amazing week and celebrate. I'm all like, if it's, if it's an amazing celebration or you've hit a sales target or something like that with work yeah. and you've had a big meeting, amazing. That is a positive emotional eating scene or scenario. But if you're saying, right, I deserve this because it's Friday and because I've been stressed all week and I've had this and I've had, I deserve this and then you're beating yourself up the next day that's where things can kind of blur the lines and that's where the, the black and white thinking, the all or nothing approach can kind of come in and they're beating themselves up and the lack of self-help, self, I think self-empathy, I might sponsor the podcast by self-empathy uh, at this stage. But you have to ask yourself, like, if you want to have a takeaway, amazing. But if you're not wanting the takeaway for the takeaway's sake and it's to block something or to stunt an emotion, then it's in the wrong exactly. way to do it. And like a lot of us have repeated behavior and over and over that it becomes an automatic response because we actually haven't uh, like addressed. Yeah. Addressed what is occurring, but also like looking at what is happening during that time. So like people often don't realize that behaviors occur based on roughly a four step process, which is basically cue, craving, routine, and reward. So you need something to cue the behavior. You have to have a craving for the behavior routine that you continuously go through it. And then the reward from that aspect. So it's like when you follow through those processes over and over and over a weekend, you realize why it becomes so hard for you in the long run to take away. Why you feel momentarily better from having your takeaway, 
And then 20 minutes after you finished, back to being stressed high again and all those other feelings that you've been trying to push aside. That's when the kind of like the, the power of the kind of like the the, the journaling or power, the power of kind of recognizing how you're actually feeling like is huge. And I think a lot of people are, are, are I think what potentially what's happening right now is, and I've had shit times during this and I've spoken about them before, but I think what's what can happen for a lot of people is we've built stuff up so long and such a, so many emotions for so long and stunted them by being a go, 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 go out in the pace, go out, go, go, go see loads of people. And now a lot of people are unfortunately struggling now because they haven't coped with these things and it's just built up and it's a tipping point now. And I think that's unfortunately one of those things that I think COVID is re- making people realize what is important to one, but I think it's also making them realize that there's stuff that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people are necessarily ready. And I've, I've had shit like I'm not sitting here on Ivory Terror again. And Dallas is the same. Like there's shit that we all have. Every single person has something that's in their life that they're, that they struggle with. And it, it's, it's important to say, right. Like on Monday wasn't feeling amazing, was struggling mentally, just mentally drained, hadn't really eaten. And that was the difference for me. Um, mm. So I know the next time, next Monday, are like, well, I'll eat something at, say, four o'clock so I can get through the last little bit. Um, and that's and that's my lesson learned. It's about taking those lessons, about taking those lessons from, right, banking calories hasn't worked for you before. Unless you're in the head position to kind of move on, it's not going to happen again. Yeah. Well, like, even coming from myself, I'm like, I still have to be regiment if I'm doing banking calories because I'm like, oh, I'm like, I've been doing this for a long time now that I can maintain weight by just looking at my food. But if I'm banking calories, I have to be regiment to the point so I can do it. Otherwise it will naturally blow over. Most people aren't, most people won't do that. Most people hear regiment and they're like, that's when they kind of like the, the, the overwhelming thing kind of comes in and that's where then the overwhelm happens on the other end where the, the, the splurge of calories happens and then that whole vicious circle happens. So in the real, the real answer to the question is it depends where you're coming from. Would I encourage it for most people? Probably not. Yeah. Not a good idea. I think that also ties in because of that whole aspect of like, we're talking about weight and everything. One of the topics we were good. Well, I know you were going to pretty much talk about was in terms of tracking progress for women in terms of like week first, like weeks, yeah, so I think this is something that's definitely coming up. I think a lot of people are putting themselves under a lot of pressure to kind of use this time as the way to kind of look at behaviors and kind of monitor stuff. And I think, unfortunately, diet culture has put an awful lot of pressure on a lot of people to be a certain weight according to BMI. And BMI is a metric that can be used, mm-hmm. but it's normally more, normally it's better for those who are like very, very obese. It's not amazing if it's a like Dallas or I in that our heights or our body shapes or whatever like that um, could be aren't really taken into account on that side of things. So what I mean by kind of comparing like weeks with like weeks, so say if you are tracking your progress with scales and the scales impacts your mood, please stay off the bloody thing. (laughs) But um, if you are tracking your progress, you're better off looking at, this is why I talked about the track in the last time, of tracking your progress and tracking at your different measurements, taking in photos, tracking, if you are tracking, this will be the best way to do it. 
look at week one post bleed in say February. What leak? Look at the the stats from week one post bleed in March. Week two, week two, week three, week three, week four, week four. There's too many different variables, too many hormones, bloating, um, cravings, all that kind of stuff comes into a place. Each week is so different. Ovulation occurs, cravings, bloating, constipation, fiber loads of different things kind of come into place and if you're comparing your week one post bleed to your week before you'd be like oh my god this is amazing this is amazing but if you're comparing it the opposite way of say week one post bleed to week of in the same month you're going to probably beat yourself up and be like throw in the towel you could i've had clients of being 13 pounds up difference in the two weeks from water weight so you have to understand what happens at different uh, different styles and different stages. Like, have a listen to the episode of the Female Fat Loss episode. Have a listen to the PCOS Cravings episode. I think one of them's episode 45. One of them's, I can't remember. Um, and then there's a, the Brian Keane podcast I did as well. Have a listen to those and you'll understand what I'm talking about. And you'll see exactly what happens week for week. But you've got to understand that if you're comparing your week one post-bleed to week, uh, to week of in that same month, they're going to be chalk and cheese. Compare, save yourself the heartache, write down, have a sheet or a spreadsheet or write down on a piece of paper saying, right, I am 80 kilos on my week after my cycle. And then on my week of my cycle, I am 82 kg. But then if I look at my March comparison, oh, wow, I'm 78 kg down on my week after. And then I'm 80 kg on my week of. There's a four pound weight loss. Hmm straight away and then you'll understand and you'll be like oh my god this is actually working rather than trying when to you when you get to your week of and not understanding what's happened to your body you beat yourself up you're in not you could be not in the most most amazing headspace already and then you, you're like no fuck this i'm just gonna beat myself up and eat the world and that's not that's not that's not what we want to try and do and the point of it that whole topic was it's going to be the most accurate representation, taking your measurements, taking your photos. Mm. I normally went with our clients. We kind of do like, depends on the client, obviously, but we kind of go like photos every two weeks and measurements every, every week and weigh in. It's completely up to the client. It's what you do on average that will get you to your goal. If things are up and down, up and down, that's completely normal, but it's what you take on average. Compare the likes with likes. It's like comparing black, black and white or purple and pink. They're two very different colors. Yeah. And then you get annoyed because of different colors. Oh, yeah. Well, but it's a common aspect. But I think another point to bring into that um, for the women out there who are doing the week to week, do the same thing for your training. Yeah. That's a huge element. <laughs> when you realize that you're going to see a fluctuation of strength from the beginning of the month to the end of the month, and that obviously is going to coincide with your cycle you're going to notice a lot of extra things going. There are going to be times where you can literally show up and dominate. And there's going to be other times where you can go like, well, okay, I'm going to have a little bit more of a less of a kind of effect in the training. I might not get all my reps. That's okay. And I don't feel the best. But if I look at that same week from the previous month, I actually got one more extra rep. Cool. I'm happy. And it's like, you're now using other metrics that get you to that point. It, it, it's bringing this more to it than just, Hey, look, here's the scale. Yeah, I think I think you need to understand like how your body ticks because you only have one body and you can't expect anyone else to understand how your body, how it feels and ticks and then beat, beat yourself up and get angry at them if you don't understand it yourself. 
and you said track your progress over time track your training track all that side of stuff and you'll know when you can push know when you can relax know when you can kind of like right i don't need to push myself this training this isn't the week for me to go for pbs um yeah. it gets a little bit different if you're on the pill because there may not be as many different variations and i think that's hugely important to to bring in and if you've got pcos or endometriosis the severity of bloating can be quite severe in that it's very painful it can be very quite painful as well so it's about potentially those couple of weeks and if you're triggered by the scales already particularly if you have pcos and stuff and endometriosis they're not the weeks to potentially step on the scales they're not the yeah. weeks to potentially look at your progress and just kind of say right what can i program what can i monitor this week i'm going to go for a walk I am just going to get my regular meals in. I'm going to ring a friend. Something yeah. like that could be a non-scale victory along the way. You talk about kind of supporting yourself there. One of the things you want to talk about is like not how to, how do you work with clients and, uh, and other people and talk to people through DMs and stuff about not having the support from others and how to work with that yourself. I, I think it's like, okay, pull back. Think, yeah, it's like, let's give as much here. It's like, all right, start off with simple. If you are the person that can actually do everything themselves, and like there are archetypes within the, um, on the planet, on, of course, that have the ability to not only give themselves the internal support they need, but the internal drive that keeps them going. Because number one is all I need and that is it. Perfect. The support you have is not going to give you much difference because you are that internally driven. You are that um, focused on your goal and you have that kind of internal love for yourself that just keeps you going. So whether someone is there to support you, you're like, okay, that's cool. It's a benefit. It's not a hindrance. Very few people have that trait. So that means that we need people essentially loving us or supporting us right and in that love and support we need the people closest to us whether it be friends partners um, even surprising children being part of our goals they want to be there to help us go it's an aspect of goal orientation and actually succeeding in a goal so we need them there supporting us very few people realize that you often need to have a conversation with your loved ones or with your friends about what you're looking to achieve. Because most of us have our own internal workings of the world and we have our own goals and we totally forget to understand that other people have different goals and that they also need support there. So it's that hard communication that we often need to have. And when that happens, we start realizing that sometimes some friends will not be able to support us. A partner won't be able to support us in all of the ways, but they can support us in a small section. So that means we can either find more support from a friend or we could try and make the difference. But the problem is people don't have the conversation, so they don't end up having support from a family or from friends at all. And they go with it alone. And this is where problems start to occur. I think one element that kind of comes into its support is sometimes if you have potentially, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. But uh, that's my job. I know, yeah. I thought I'd switch roles today. Um, I think sometimes when people have kind of tried to, say, lose weight for a long, long time and they're expecting support from their partner or people around them, they kind of, and they don't get it, Sometimes action needs to be taken in that 
if you are showing up and you and you're kind of like ticking along and, and making sure that this time is different for you mm. that sometimes speaks louder to that person and that's when support can come on yeah. and is that a perfect mentality or is that a perfect thing no it's de- it's definitely not but sometimes that can be the dictator like oh that person's on another restricted diet um, because that person has failed so many times doing this and then the frustration happens for that person because they're they're frustrated with the diet. They could be very, very hungry. Yeah. And we don't want that. You shouldn't be hungry if you're on a diet unless you're going on a photo shoot or you're not, not even going on a photo shoot, but on a on your prep. Um, and even then you can still moderate that if you're giving yourself enough time. Um, but I think if you're relying on someone to kind of give you the support and your results haven't been amazing or your past behaviors haven't been amazing and you're pushing back and biting back and biting back because you're so hungry. What, like, why would you can't expect them to support? Um, like, I know when you kind of get married, it's kind of like through thick and thin. I don't think it comes into it when it's through dieting. I don't think that's a clause because uh, most people, like a lot of people, do struggle with 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 the, with the, with the fitness stuff because they go for the extreme thing. They go for the gimmick really, really quickly. Yeah. And then they fail. And then once they fail, they're expecting someone to pick them up. And that's huge if you had that around you. But not everyone, I think a lot of people are realizing that themselves now is not many people have the support. A lot of people don't have the support around them. Um, and that's uh, that's unfortunately the truth for a lot of people. And, and the big thing that I've tried to say to clients that may not have that little bubble around them is, right, what can you do? Like, as you said, lean on friends, lean on family, ring people. And you be the kind of the person that kind of looks for the support, be the communicator. Yep. Um, and I think that has to be like, nobody genuinely gives a shit what else uh, what someone else is doing. Yep. We honestly don't No, I, 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 it's the worst. It's the worst thing. It's no one cares what you do because we're so intertwined with our own world that when you do something, we show support and do these things. And people are like, oh, I wish there was more of it. It's not going to happen and that's not going to change. But it's also people don't know what they want from support or actually what they're looking for for support. So we, we use the word support. My husband, my wife, my friend, my partner does not support me. And you're like, what are you classifying as support? Have you voiced what you're doing? Exactly. It, 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 Have you understood why you're doing this? It, which ties into all aspects of this podcast. It's like the behaviors you bring in. It's also ties into what's the why. Why are you doing these aspects? So it's like when people want support, they often don't know what they want. So they're like, they use this. The person's not there for me. It's like, what, what does there for you mean? Does that mean the person has to be there if you're having a bad day telling you this is going to be fine? Or does that mean the person is going to calorie count your meal for you? So when you come home, it's sitting there waiting on the table. It's you Thank need you. to define these uh, practices for people. And it's, we don't often have these conversations. It's like when you and I um, doing aspects, it's like we define the aspect that we can do. It's like, do you have the ability to do this? No, but this is what I can do for you. So that way we know where we can work from. It becomes a point of strength, not a weakness. I think one aspect that, or two aspects that kind of come up then is like, oh, my partner wants to take away every weekend. My partner wants drinks every weekend or else I'm, I'm in a bubble with my parents and mommy's dinner. Irish mommies are great for... Uh, big old portions of food i love them um but it's like i i don't want to insult that person i don't want to insult 
and my mom for putting on a massive spread of food or loads of scones or loads, I really want a scone. Um, you can tell it's lunchtime. Um, but they put on a massive spread for you and you don't know how to cope with it. And then, but have you voiced your, 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 like what you're trying to do? I think what sometimes like, oh, like my mom will get offended. Has she said she's going to get offended? Yeah. It's the biggest one. It's the biggest one. Oh, they're going to hate I can read it. minds. Yeah. And you're like, sorry, what? Like you trying to tell me that you want to better your life and someone close to you is going to throw it in your face. It's like, come on. But I think what, a lot, what happens to a lot of people is like, uh, like particularly if like, if you've been really, really restrictive and someone is seeing that you've been really, really restrictive, they're kind of like, and you're being salad Susan Monday to Thursday and then Friday, you're like, I go on, you deserve it. You've been good this week. That's the typical comment that will come from another half. Yeah. But you've got to say to yourself, right, if I want to have the takeaway, I'll have the takeaway. If I don't want to have the takeaway, I don't want to have the takeaway. And that's how simple it is. Yep. We're like, oh, but he'll get annoyed. She'll get annoyed. No. I get it but you also don't need their validation to do something you want to do. Yep. Like we're a statement in so much here, but it, it really is. It's just like, it really comes down to the, the kind of these aspects as well as the fact that if your partner wants something, why can't they have it in you have it with something else? No, no, no. We have to eat together. Since when was that a divine rule for the whole world that we have to eat the same things? Why not have a fake away? Yeah, well, come on now. That, that requires work. That, that takes away from the takeaway. But like the recipe books that we've given to the clients, there's one recipe costs one euro to make and 500 calories and it takes seven minutes to make and you can have a family dinner and you're saving yourself two and a half thousand calories compared to what you'd have in a Domino's and you won't have the blur feeling afterwards, which means you're not cooking a separate meal for your kids or your partner. You're still getting your protein, your veggies in. Is that not... That's the most, like, that's the recipe that comes straight to my head in yeah. those books. And with it, we don't do meal plans. That's not what I'm giving you. I give them ideas for food that they can incorporate with their kids because you shouldn't have to cook a separate meal for your family. You shouldn't have to cook a separate meal for your kids. It's about incorporating what you're doing with what they're doing and finding a happy medium. That's what we try to encompass into our coaching is, right, you're doing this already. Let's tweak that. It's not saying, right, you're going chicken and broccoli. You're not allowed to have any uh, carbs. If you look at a carrot, you're evil. It's not that. I don't know why evil carrot came into my head. Um, but you have to say to yourself, right, am I beating myself up because I'm trying to read my partner's mind? Has your partner or has your mom actually voiced this? And like they make, like I know, I love her dearly. My auntie does incredible cheesecakes, like genuine. Oh, I love cheesecake. Cheesecake's the greatest thing ever. Uh, apart from ice cream. Uh, but it always comes back to ice cream. Um, and one of the things is like, she, she's like, she'll, she'll push food on you. She'll push food on you because she wants to be the host. She wants to be the host. Yep. And I completely get that. But if you kind of say, like, I oh, know I'm, I'm grand with one. And like, she may ask once or twice, but you're like, no, I'm okay with one. They eventually get the, the ball drops eventually yeah. but you also have like live by your values and your life will be a lot more content than trying to live off what everyone else is trying to dictate that brings into a whole different topic as well but i know we were briefly talking about it in the week the boundaries like holy moses people like like have some boundaries if you bring that in support and actually bring in the fact of communication of active listening and trying to understand and actually communicate from a point of understanding and love and then bring in aspects that there are certain things that i will not do 
like revolutionary. Like I love Turkish delight. There's no way I can get Neve to eat Turkish delight. There is not like Turkish a, delight. Like it's so beautiful. I love it. Oh, it's evil. But it's like there are the aspects. There's like certain things I know she won't be eating, and I know there are certain aspects in terms of training. So like when we I create a training program for it, there's a boundary in terms of the things she won't do, and there's no I'm going to push the boundary here. It's that is the end goal. That is there's the fence. So it's like if you can put that stake in the ground and you go like this is what I'm willing to do everything up until this point, your partner now knows. But people don't have it, so we kind of do this. I'm going to do a little bit here and do there and I don't like it, but you know, I'm doing it for them. I'm doing it for the kids. I'm doing all these things. And we feel that we never take time for ourselves. And I was like, and, and there's where so many issues arise. Uh, boundaries are a huge part. I think boundaries are a lot, are very, very blurred at the minute uh, with whatever we're doing. Like boundaries are in place um, across the board. And I think it's, it's about kind of like rather than like looking at your phone or, what's happened you potentially have a conversation with your other half and say right this is why i'm doing it and get them to ask questions and try to understand they don't necessarily have to understand either yeah. like as i said earlier it could be like you getting your results or whatever result looks like to you but understanding right you can't blame that person for not understanding if you don't necessarily understand why you're doing things and then getting frustrated it comes back to the why element of it falling back into past behaviors and blaming somewhere else blame we can't keep blaming others for our actions. We have to own our shit. Can't beat yourself up, acknowledge your fears, work on your mindset, act like the person you want to become and things will get easier. Like you can read and listen to as many podcasts as you want without putting any implementation into your life and you'll know, oh, I know what to do with them. Why don't you do it? Like that's the biggest thing that I sometimes find when people are texting, like if PTs are texting me about business advice, I'm like, like one of the questions this morning was regarding something about, oh, I want to get in the hit session rate of a PT. And I'm like, yeah. Joe Wicks did pretty well out of that. So if you want to do that, go down that route. There's no perfect match for every single person. Exactly. But it's about saying, right, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Don't let the kind of like the fear of what other people are going to say, other people are going to do, or the, the judgment of what everyone else is saying, or the, the lack of support you're going to get along the way. People are not going to like you want to change them because they could also be putting their insecurities and saying, oh, you're, you're, I don't want you to be losing weight. I think you're as beautiful as you are. And that's, and that's, that's amazing. That's a big sense that comes through. But if you're not content in yourself, that person's potentially feeling like you may be trying to better yourself, trying mm. to, lose the weight to try and go get another partner or whatever maybe and that that can come through and yeah. that can come and that can be a difficult conversation to have but if you're not content in your own self is that not more important than what say your auntie's making cheesecake or someone else says to you is that not more important because cheesecake is class oh especially if it's new york style yeah um but there's so there's so much in that episode like Spotting, falling back into past behaviors, banking calories. It depends, seems to come up. Uh, the input, the best way for kind of girls uh, who have, have cycles and stuff like that and um, monitoring their progress, not having support from others and how to kind of go around it. And then kind of like the last little bit about boundaries and stuff. But like, there's an awful lot of it on that. So I potentially listen to it again. If it has triggered anyone, I sincerely apologize. But sometimes the trigger isn't always a bad thing. Um, and we're here to put out information that's to us from the research and 
I'm not going to apologize for any of the information that I put out unless I say something completely and utterly arseways and put out a factual information. If I put out something that's wrong in science, I'll then I'll apologize. But sometimes some people need, like if, it, if this hits one person and this hits home for one person, well, then the episode was worthwhile. But uh, yeah, Dallas, do you want to say anything? Last thing I would probably say is if you picture a tree, a nice big oak tree, right? All the roots are your past. Everything is your past. Everything as you go up the tree is all potential new paths for you to occur. That means you can go down any path you wish. Stop looking at the roots of the tree and start looking at where everything is going to blossom so you can go forth and actually make a better life. Keep moving forward. Don't let you have failed. You've caught yourself. Now focus on the next step and go forward. Live long and prosper. What's that from? Yeah, there you go. You did it. I I knew you'd like it because you're a complete other nerd. Um, (laughs) You're a nerd. Uh, But guys, thank you so much for listening to the the episode. We will continue to to do them. So if you have questions or topics or anything like that, send them over. Uh, Probably be like a couple of weeks delay in it because I think we're two weeks ahead of schedule uh, when this goes out. Actually, three weeks ahead of schedule. but thank you so much for, for listening, guys. Please leave a review up on iTunes. Keep supporting and keep sharing. Dallas, thank you very much. As always.